Welcome back to Bachelor on the Couch, the podcast where comedy becomes clinical. Today, we will be talking about passion versus love, common anxiety responses, and self-compassion. So, as always, that's Liv. That's Jenna. Take a seat on the couch. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. I just made up my own song. I liked it. So we don't... <laughs> how do you feel being 25? Being 25, I feel really uneventful. Um, also considering it's a Wednesday. And uh, I've decided 30s when I'm calling it. So five more years until I'm hopping on a raft and getting out of here. But... 30s are supposed to be flirty and thriving. I don't need that. <laughs> I'm opting out. No. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we are mental health professionals. Take care of yourself. Yeah, but no, it's been a good day. It's been a good day. Was your day made by thinking about some great things that happened in the episode yesterday. <laughs> um, my day was made knowing that I called the winner back in episode one. I knew. Well, it was gonna be. Yeah. You texted me. I knew it. And I texted back. I'm sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. What a, what a final three hour finale special yes what a what an evening what was your favorite moment my favorite moment of the episode itself or my favorite moment of the including after the final roast honestly no let's do let's do just the episode just the episode you're gonna like this my favorite moment of the episode had to do with brandon and him giving Michelle that white sweatshirt. <laughs> um, and like that to me is really sweet. And as much as I hate it, it reminds me of my ex who like he had messed up something, nothing to do with us, but had messed up in something else. And he had this favorite shirt and I loved it. And I always wanted it and he wouldn't give it to me. And then when he had, had done this mess up, he let me have it. And so I could like sleep in it. And it's just like that something to me, not only just all the sentiment that like that sweatshirt held for Michelle and Brandon with the food fight. And, but he's like, this is my favorite sweatshirt and I want you to have it. Like that to me felt really sweet. Mm -hmm. That was my favorite moment. What about yours? Well, you know, me and these dates that are very adventurous. I honestly loved the jet skiing. I just, it, in the water, the sun... I don't even know if it was a sunset, but it was just very romantic to me and honestly very fun. I love jet skiing. I've done it so many times. So that's something that I would want to do on a date. I would much rather do a jet ski date than have a shaman ritual date. <laughs> that felt unfair. <laughs> no wonder he was sweating so much. I would have said, oh my God. He really was sweating buckets. Um, Liv, why do you think that is? Well, I know we talk about anxiety a lot 
and we've gone through so many anxiety coping skills. Um, but especially in this episode, I think they really mentioned, like the guys really mentioned how their fears and doubts were getting in the way. And honestly, I thought that was a, a normal human thing, normal human emotions. Um, and I think it's important to talk about why we have anxiety and how it, it can sometimes be good because anxiety anxiety has a function. Right. And back when we were, you know, these cavemen, (laughs) Ah! we used anxiety for survival. So if we heard a bear coming, we don't want to get eaten by the bear or attacked by the bear so our anxiety would send us these signals to the brain so then our body would react and I know a lot of people have probably heard about the whole fight flight or freeze response so you either fight the bear you run away from the bear or you freeze to protect yourself and I think that whole date when Nate was so anxious I think that was serving a a function I think his nervousness was telling him something and I feel like not a lot of people picked up on how it could be a positive thing well yeah I agree I think when we look at Nate's date first of all very different he got this shaman ritual date and Brandon got this fun jet ski, like lighthearted. Um, we're like in the final two, knowing that there's a proposal coming up and this is now going to be your life partner. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of vulnerability that we've talked about already, but that's really scary. It's really, it can be really terrifying to open up and be vulnerable, especially when we look at Nate, who comes from a family and has identified like, we never did this. Hmm. So his brain is going, this is brand new territory. We don't know what to expect, but here we are trying to be vulnerable. That that could be dangerous for us. That's potentially putting us in harm's way of getting hurt. And so it's, right, as you said, it's releasing the, the his brain or the amygdala. I always call it the almond <laughs> because it's the size of an almond. Fun fact. But that amygdala is sending signals to the rest of your body to help you navigate it. And when we as humans are in situations where we're not actually able to fight, fight or freeze, but we have all this adrenaline pumping through us, our body's going to react in ways and we're just holding all this anxious and nervous energy. Yeah, we're going to sweat profusely. Our heart rate is going to increase. We are gonna maybe our voice is gonna get shaky maybe we're gonna resort into some of our ego defense mechanisms that we had mentioned a few episodes last episode um but doing these things to try to keep us safe because that's what the amygdala that's what our brain is trying to help us do speaking of nate i wanted to bring up a tweet that i saw yesterday uh from brett vergara which he he live tweets uh, every week and his <laughs> his tweets are awesome so go follow him <laughs> um he said I feel for Nate I think it's him just not being as experienced with expressing his emotions or feeling a lot more nerves when doing so I don't think he's fumbling 
is coming from a place of being inauthentic, rather it's because he's invested. And I think you brought up a good point of, you know, his, he never really saw these um, emotional expressions being modeled in his family and when he was growing up. So it's probably a little challenging for him to access these emotions that he never really had practice in expressing. Yeah. On the flip side, right? So we've got Nate who we see him really exploring this expression in a new way and opening up in a new way. On the flip side, we have Brandon who we've seen time and time again, he is being very open. Michelle talks about him and like I never doubting him because he's always been very upfront and clear about his emotions. And I also want to offer the perspective that just because someone is so incredibly talented at expressing these emotions and talking from this vulnerable place, that doesn't always mean it's coming from this genuine and genuine place. It doesn't always mean it's a good thing Mm. on the flip side. Um, And I know we wanted to talk a little bit about passion versus love today and kind of the differences between those things. Yeah, my roommate, I, I want to give a shout out to her because uh, she's been watching with me throughout the whole season and she really brings up some great points that I want yeah. <laughs> to tell our listeners. So uh, she was talking about how um, Brandon is really passionate and how that differs from the word love and the feeling of love. And I know, you know, that whole word like both of these words are very deep and have a lot of meaning um but she was saying how you know passion is really intense it's can be defined as you know this strong desire and it's sometimes but not always short term um and then I was kind of thinking about how love is more you know like deeply rooted and kind of longer lasting and I know a lot of times people talk about the honeymoon phase in relationships and I think to me the honeymoon phase is more defined by that like deep passion yeah I I agree and disagree with something that you said. So when talking about, I agree that passion and love are definitely different. They can some they can be intertwined and they can exist at the same time. They are different things though. Um, I, in my opinion, I don't think love is inherently deep rooted or long-term. And that's not coming from like the cynical place. <laughs> um, I say that, right? We recognize that love is a chemical in our brain. It's a chemical that our body releases, right? Dopamine, serotonin. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but there is these chemicals released in our brain from love. And our bodies are perpetually trying to reach homeostasis. It's trying to come back to normal. So our brain is releasing this chemical of love and releasing this and making us feel really, really good. And over time, our body's going to come back and that chemical is no longer going to be present and may come back and then come back to normal. And then the love appears again, right? And it can be in the same relationship that can happen where 
through love and through the experience of this chemical coming in and then and then dying down and then releasing and then dying down through that we have the opportunity to like to say like I might not love you every day but I'm going to choose you every day because love it is love is this great thing it's also a chemical imbalance <laughs> and because it's a chemical imbalance, it's not going to last forever, but it leads way to the things that do last forever. I'm not just like some cynical old lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's, I think that's a good point. And, uh, this like waxing and waning of these chemicals are, you know, learning experiences. So you learn from, you know, when, the relationship or you, you know the friendship whatever is not at its peak passion or love you learn from that and you also learn from when it is yeah um but I agree that it is very different from passion I associate passion oftentimes with lust right? mm, that desire lust desire and part of that too can be like the desire to be in love mm. um and I think <laughs> with the idea of like this passion, and I agree with you, you mentioned Brandon's a very passionate young man. <laughs> young man. <laughs> I see that. I hear you. <laughs> you really threw that in, didn't you? <laughs> He's a very passionate young man. And I don't necessarily... I don't necessarily know if he's fully guilty of this. However, I do get slight red flags on the term of love, on the ideas of treading this line of love bombing. Um, and because of how passionate he is, I the thing that struck me as a red flag all season, I haven't loved him, but I recognize like he's a good guy. There's nothing wrong with him. He's a good guy. He said something when he was talking to Neil Lane during the episode when they was getting the rings and Neil had asked him like, um, when did you know she was the one? And he said, the first night when I first saw her, um, bullshit. That's not true. No way that's true. You don't look at someone. I'm a hopeless romantic. Don't get me wrong. I want that. I w wish that was a thing. You don't look at someone for the first time, knowing that they're also dating 29 other dudes and go, she's it. She's the one. No, that to me isn't this cute, like love story. That to me is ingenuine and not honest. Do I think he loved Michelle? 100%. I'm sure he still does. Certain things in the way he, ways he expressed it felt very like, I'm going to overload you with all of my feelings. I'm going to overload you with how, with what I think about you, how I feel about you, I'm going to overload you so that when you think of me, all you think is of is this showering of love and affection and attention. That to me is problematic. Question for you about this concept topic. Do you think it was somewhat producer driven like the pressure of being on this tv show and needing to say I love you you know very fast 
I don't know. I think you make a really good point. I do think that there is pressure of the producers and pressures of the camera. And it is interesting to see how different men respond to those pressures. And after the final rose, Michelle was talking about, yeah, Nate expresses himself constantly, but it's different now that the cameras aren't all in his face. It's really hard to do that for the first time and have cameras in your face. I understand it wasn't Brandon's first time being in love, but I don't know. It's, even if it is producer driven to an extent, there's certain boundaries that I feel he was crossing. I know I mentioned a few, two episodes ago when he pulled Michelle aside before the rose ceremony, he, trying to frame it like, oh, this is for Michelle when it felt really selfish. Like you wanted to make sure that you had your last words with her. That was more important to you than making sure she was okay. And I think we saw that again in this final episode of him leaving her a note to read after he knows she was on a date with Nate. It just, it feels very, I, I, I have a hard time feeling like the producers were like, now you're going to write this note and we're going to record your voiceover. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I think... And I know I've said this before, but I, I completely agree with what you're saying. He's very outwardly saying all of these things about how he loves her, loves this about her, like feeding her all of this affection. Um, but I also think that, you know, being on this show is super tricky and challenging in itself and trying to navigate what are my true feelings versus what would they want me to say and I know you know that's the whole like am I here for the wrong reasons yeah. <laughs> is this person here for the wrong reasons like they should be kicked off but I think you know the reality of it is sometimes the tv show and how fast it goes the pressure of being put on the spot to express emotions in basically 10 weeks not even yeah yeah I also think right we're never gonna know if it was actual love bombing or not because mm -hmm. obviously he wasn't spoiler alert <laughs> he wasn't the final man standing and we'll never know if it truly was love bombing or if this was just, he was so genuinely in it. And that was, we don't get to know. And I just think it's important for our listeners to also to identify kind of what love bombing is and noting why it's really dangerous. Cause it can, in the moment, it might feel really good. And, but it's often this technique used by narcissists and it is a form of emotional abuse because they start by shower. It usually is at the beginning of relationships. They shower you with all of this affection and attention. And um, you have to be careful because it's like the honeymoon stage, I think sometimes gets blended into this. But then what happens is over time, that attention and that affection, that excessive admiration starts to wean off and there starts to be less of it, less of it, less of it. And they the individual who was love bombing 
holds you almost hostage. Like, well, I was so good to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was four months ago. <laughs> Since then, you've been treating me like shit. Mm-hmm. But still kind of our brain is remembering all of those hits of dopamine and those endorphins that you received when at the beginning you were feeling so special, needed, loved, valued. Mm. Um, So are they doing this to kind of boost their own ego from a very like self-centered place? Yeah, boosting their ego and also keeping control over you. Mm -hmm. Right. If I have this person convinced that I'm the best thing that ever happened to them, I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I and that can be with, they can show that through, they can show that affection through uh, either like gifts, like tangible things or the things that they're saying, right? Yeah. This, it's just whatever it looks like, it's this excessive amount of affection, admiration. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the one for me. I've known you one week right? (laughs) (laughs) Just being kind of aware. And it's hard to distinguish that from distinguish love bombing from this honeymoon phase of what Mm -hmm. is going to actually last. So I know in therapy and the therapeutic world, we've switched from this idea of self-esteem to this idea of self-compassion. And I think it's important to talk about what compassion towards yourself means. And I think we saw that a lot in Michelle in this episode. And I know you tweeted something that she said that was really great. Yeah, she said, I deserve to put myself first. It's just something I've never done. Mm. And I don't know about you, but that's something I really resonated with. Yeah, I'm mean I still need to try that but (laughs) oh 100% I would love to know what it feels like (laughs) Um, steps (laughs) I think all season we've watched her take care of herself first whether if that's sending home a toxic man if that's speaking up for herself if that's sharing a poem about being the token black girl right I Mm -hmm. think We've seen her care for herself in so many ways, many of which being true to herself and trusting her gut. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's hard to do. (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely a perfectionist. Uh, I was just talking to my parents about this, actually, how, uh, especially with grades, I'm like, if I'm not getting the perfect grade, then I'm a failure. (laughs) And I've been trying to switch that language that I'm, I'm, telling myself uh to a more compassionate type statement so something like you know it's life you're gonna make mistakes you're gonna get kind of bleh grades but that doesn't mean your life is over it doesn't mean you're a failure and I think she does a great job of making sure she's okay and she's being kind towards herself yeah I think there is a lot to be said about an individual who is conscious of what they what conscious of what they need amongst all the craziness that is going around and it's very easy unfortunately to beat ourselves up It is very easy to be our own biggest critic. Mm -hmm. 
And something that I like to explore when we start going into self-compassion training and self-compassion practice with my clients, exploring this idea of why are we punishing ourselves? Because to some extent, it is serving us in a way. So if I'm, if I won't let myself make a mistake as a perfectionist, I won't let myself make a mistake. What is that doing for me? One, causing anxiety. But if it, it's this maladaptive behavior, but it clearly is continuing because to some degree, it is helping us in some way. Maybe it's protecting me from facing embarrassment if I mess up on something. Maybe it's protecting me from not knowing the material as well as I would like to, right? Maybe this sense of punishing myself is serving me in some way. And when we can start to identify what that service is for ourselves, we can start to identify how we can do it and switch the language because words are so powerful mm-hmm. and making it more strength-based, making it more empowering in the language that we use towards ourselves. It's hard. It's definitely, it takes practice and it takes a lot of catching yourself in the moment where you're talking bad to yourself or you're you're thinking negative things yeah and I that's the first step like really noticing and being aware of when you're having these you know bad thoughts towards yourself (laughs) I have gotten to a point where when I'm having moments where my negative self-talk is really really high and surprise us therapists are not like we have not achieved maximum mental health capacity <laughs> like <laughs> I don't anything, even know if I'm halfway <laughs> yeah like spoiler alert <laughs> we're also doing our best but I've gotten to this point where when I'm having these moments or these days or these weeks even where my negative self-talk is really really rough I label it as like I'm having a bad brain day <laughs> My brain is putting up a fight and I can label it as that, that it feels really bad. That doesn't mean it is really bad, Mm -hmm. but I almost externalizing it and letting it be this thing like, yeah, my brain's inside of me, but these aren't these, these negative comments towards myself aren't to better me in any way. They're just trying to drag me down. So how can I identify like, okay, yeah, this is my inner critic. This is my brain getting caught up in the inner critic. It's a bad brain day. And like it, it can just be that. It can just BBD. be a BBD. <laughs> it can just be a bad brain day. Mm-hmm. That, was my fir- that was my first step in my like self-compassion was identifying where these thoughts were coming from and labeling them. I like putting things in boxes. <laughs> Let's label it. <laughs> Let's put a nice custom label maker label sticker on it. Maybe we can make it look like an alligator, but. (laughs) I think that goes back to the point that we were talking about a few episodes ago with uh, the skill of mindfulness and accepting that, you know, like, yeah, these thoughts are here. They're here today. They're overwhelming and they're going to be here but they're not going to be this permanent thing. Tomorrow is a new day. So kind of accepting them rather than pushing them away. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
Um, I think this would be a really good time to transition into the skill that we wanted to leave you guys with. This is our last skill of this, of our first season. Woo! Oh my gosh, time goes fast. <laughs> um, but on this idea of self-compassion, the skill is, that I wanted to offer was this reflection and exploration of how you would treat a friend. And so to start, the first thing you do is you think of a time that a friend came with, came to you with a problem and they were talking really poorly about themselves. Maybe they made a mistake and they were having a really hard time and came to you for support. How would Me you, to you every day? <laughs> how would you talk to them? Notice what you notice what you would say. Notice your tone of voice. And then after spending some time there, think about when you're having a bad day or you're having a hard day or you make a mistake, what is the internal dialogue to yourself? And again, noticing what you say, but more importantly, noticing the tone and seeing if there's any differences. Is the tone that you talk to yourself different than the tone that you talk to your friend with? And then shifting into what would it feel like if you talked to yourself the way you would treat a friend? And it's hard. Mm. But noticing like, wow, I treat Liv when she's having these challenges. I treat her gently and with care and with motivation. I treat her tenderly and gently. Mm -hmm. And when I'm having an issue, I'm like, Jenna, screw you. You're so stupid. How could you mm -hmm. have messed this up? What would it feel like if I offered myself the same forgiveness and permission to have a fault and still move forward that I offered my friend? Mm. How can we, how can I treat my good friend, Jenna? Again, that takes a lot of practice. Exactly. And the first step, like we talked about is noticing it. Noticing what those differences are, noticing what we're saying, noticing what is coming up for us. I think we talk about noticing a lot too in, in dance therapy, noticing what's coming up in our bodies. And even then, you know, not only noticing the thoughts, but also am I getting, you know, super like hot or my uh, fists tense, you know, what yeah. is going on in my body that I can maybe relax or make more soft or gentle. Yeah, noticing our clues to dysregulation before it gets out of control. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> wow, I can't believe we did a whole season. I'm in absolute shock. Like this went by so fast for me. 10 weeks? This is 10 weeks of being <sighs> on a schedule FaceTime conversation. This was fantastic. We did it. We did it. Nice work. It was just, I can't wait for our season two, even though it's going to be with Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't believe it's basically in two weeks. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. The previews for that? Previews for that are gnarly. <laughs> but I just want to like live. Thank you so much for being the best co-host. It's so fun to bounce things off of you and talk with you and get to chit chat about important and goofy things every week. 
Yeah, I mean, same to you. I feel like I'm learning a lot from you. I'm learning a lot about myself. So it's good all around. And we love our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys. Tuning in. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. I have a really funny thing. So today's my birthday, right? And my oh, I've, got, is. <laughs> I've got two older brothers. My oldest brother, he's a like musician, like he's big in the Chicago music scene. He's very like his personality is very like I wear all black. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm in all black. Um, like very like his favorite genre is horror. Like this is him. He's very like dark. He sent me a picture today. He's like, happy birthday. And the picture was of his Spotify rap. Our podcast is in his top three podcasts. Yes. <laughs> and he goes, share this with no one. So I'm going to just tell everyone who's listening. It's fine. Yes. That's what we love to hear. <laughs> I was like, you know, that it's like family supports you when you're in the top three podcasts of someone who you have no business being in their top three podcasts. Yes. I love it go bro yes but not, truly everyone listening thank you so much for sticking around with us for these 10 weeks yeah I think you know we love you guys we love you and we can't wait to see you for season two well that's all we have for today thanks so much for listening don't forget to follow bachelor on the couch on instagram facebook and batch on the couch on twitter and tiktok or you can check us out at bachelorontheCouch.com and send us a note at bachelorontheCouch at gmail.com. That's that. Bye.